morning, everybody. Hey, welcome to Bridgewater. We are so glad that you are here. My name's Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I hope you're having a great time. You guys been having fun so far? Really enthusiastic there, guys. All right, good. We'll, we'll try to pick it up a bit. Um, so this is uh, Open House Sunday, but it's also a day where we're starting a brand new teaching series. We are doing a series called Starting Point. If you've been around Bridgewater for a little bit, you may have actually heard that term before because we do a class every now and then that's, that's based on some of the same things that we're going to be teaching over the next several weeks. And so instead of having a class for, for this time, we're just going to, we're going to walk through them in here over the next couple of weeks. But let me give you a little bit of a background about what we're going to be talking about, Okay. First and foremost, I'm going to make a big statement, and you can disagree with me if you want, but we'll, we'll see if you do. Here's, here's the big statement. Everything has a starting point. Do you agree? Oh, see, you're smart people. You agree with me already. This is great. This is going to be fun. The first group, man, they were, oh, it was, no, I'm kidding. Everything has a starting point. Think about it. Your job had a starting point, right? Your relationships have a starting point. My, my, my relationship, my marriage had a starting point. I met my wife in the middle of a cornfield. She drug me in it and kissed me. That was the starting. Okay, maybe it didn't quite go like that, but hopefully it doesn't have an ending point. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Relationships have a starting point. Think about it. You even have a starting point, right? Now, some of you, you were started on purpose. Some of you just got that, okay? Your parents, <laughs> they, they planned it out. <laughs> you, you understand. Some of you were started on purpose, which means eh, some were, it was by accident. That's not bad, you know? My parents planned me. That makes sense. My brother was an accident. That also makes sense. Okay? I'm just kidding. Hope he's not listening today. <laughs> Even you have a starting point. But there's one other thing that, that, that has a starting point that gets a little confusing. Because there, there's so many ideas about it. And so many different ways that that people talk about it, it's, it's faith. Faith had a, has a starting point as well. I, I'm sure for you, faith has some sort of starting point. Some of you maybe grew up uh, and, and your parents took you or drug you to church or maybe they drug you to mass, or they, you know, you went to synagogue, or something like that. You have some sort of religious-ish kind of background, and and there's a starting point for you as it approaches faith. Now, if you grew up going to church, and 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 you. You, you learned, you know, you went to maybe Sunday school, you went to catechism, and they taught you all kinds of things. If you're anything like the vast majority of people in our culture, 
you've arrived at a place where you tend to think the starting point for faith is what you, it's, it's a very small word, it's just two letters, it's what you D-O do. It's what you do. Faith is about how you behave, and it, it is about what you do. It's about whether or not you go to church, and or whether or not you keep the rules, or cover within the lines, or, or all of those things. Because if you're anything like me, you probably grew up going to church, and, and maybe in those, those classes, you were told things like, you know, hey, like this, God blesses the, the, the good little boys and girls, Right? So, so obey the rules. Do, do what your parents tell you. Do what, do what you're told because God blesses the good little boys and girls and not so much those who aren't so good. I wonder if that was what the starting point of your faith, maybe not in those exact words, but I wonder if that was a starting point that you were given as a child. And if, if that is the starting point that you were given as a child, the reality is that adult life does not support that idea. Because as you've grown up and you've tried and tried and tried and you've tried to do good things and you've tried to be a good person and you've, you, you, you've given it your best, but what you've found is that even when you are good, sometimes bad things happen. Can anybody identify with that? And in our culture, we have accepted this idea about faith and about about God and, and, and many things. We've, we've accepted this idea. It goes like this. Good people go to heaven. And it sounds right. I mean, it makes sense, right? Bad people don't go to heaven. Like, that doesn't make sense, right? But, but the problem is... When we buy into this idea, you are constantly dealing with something that's a little bit like a balancing act and a teeter-totter because can we just be honest? Every single one of us have portions of our lives that we just don't like to talk about. <laughs> when everybody starts talking about college and where they went to school and how they did in school and who they were friends with and you're like, listen, I don't want to talk about it. I went to college. Don't ask me. Because that was a dark time in your life. And there are things that you're not so proud of. And so when you start thinking about this idea that good people go to heaven, now you're looking at it going, man, i got to do a lot of stuff to weigh out everything that was back there in that dark phase of my life. Or maybe for you it was a different time. Maybe it was the time when you were trying to find a way to cope through your divorce. And you turned to a bunch of different things. I mean, the, the, the list goes on for all of us. And let, can we just push pause for a minute? I don't care who you are or where you've been or what you've done. Every single one of us has a part of our lives that we are not proud of. And now, if the idea is that good people go to heaven, we've got a lot of work to do to balance it out. 
For me, it feels like a balancing act. Actually, it feels a little bit like this game. Anybody ever played Jenga before? <laughs> you ever played Jenga? I enjoy it. It's fun. Get everybody together, stand around the table. You're, you're really only supposed to use, you know, one, one hand, right? And once you touch a block, you're not supposed to touch another. And the idea that good people go to heaven, as long as my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, it's a little bit like playing a balance game, a lot like Jenga. The problem is I've got a bunch of stuff in my background that I'm not so proud of. And sure, I've done a few good things. I've done some things that they are pretty good on the resume. But really, when I go back and I start looking at those phases when I was doing everything but what my parents told me to do, and I was doing everything but what I should have been doing, the reality is I have this major, major problem trying to figure out how to keep the good deeds outweighing the bad. How about you? And oh, by the way, you know, we come to Friday night, and Friday night you need to relax and let loose. I didn't do it. <laughs> the reality is that for all of us, if good people go to heaven, well, we're on this little teeter-totter. How long is it going to stay like that? I don't know. But that's a really difficult game to play. I'm glad you sat one chair over. <laughs> because the reality is that for all of us, I'm sure you are very good people. I, I, I'm sure. But as good as you are, you really aren't ever sure. Right? When can you be sure? And so, today what I want to do is I want to wrestle with a question with you. The question is this, what is your starting point for faith? And I want to take you back almost 2,000 years ago where a man named Paul, whose life was really pretty messy, in fact, he was involved in originally persecuting, imprisoning, and even orchestrating the, the murder of some of the first Christians, I want to take you back to what he has to say about what the starting point for faith really is based on what he had seen and witnessed. Now, this isn't, these, aren't, these aren't my ideas. I'm not telling you a cultural idea. I want to take you back to something that, that, is, that, that we can historically verify because there's witnesses to it. And I want to walk you through what Paul has to say about really the starting point, the, the crutch, the, the beginning of faith. And here's the interesting thing. Can I just tell you? It's not the Bible says so. When Paul was starting all, all of this and talking with the Corinthian church that we're going to look at, the Bible didn't exist. He went to something that had happened. He went not to what someone said, but he went to what someone did to talk about the starting point of faith. So let me show you what he says. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 1, he says this. 
Let me remind you of the good news that I preached to you before. So uh, a couple of things. He's opening up this part uh, of his letter to the Corinthian church. And he says, I, I want to remind you of something, which means he's already, he's already told them this. And what he's already told them is good news, okay? So let's evaluate it and see if it's actually good news. He goes on in verse 1, continues, and it says, If it is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message. So whatever we're talking about has something to do, at least from as far as Christianity is concerned, it has something to do with what saves us. It has something to do with a starting point of being right with God. At least that's what he's arguing. Then in verse 3, he says this, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. That word most important in our English translation is actually a word that means first and foremost. So what Paul is saying is, I gave to you the starting point for faith. And I'm going to go back over that which is first and foremost, okay, most important. I'm going to give you the thing that is really most important. In fact, here's what I think he's saying. Even if you don't get anything else about, about you know, the Bible or God or Christianity, if you get this, you've got what is most important. Because let's just face it, there, there's a lot here, right? Like there, There's a lot of words and a lot of pages. There's a lot here. What is most important? That's what he's about to talk about. So he goes on in verse 3, and he says this, I passed on to you what was most important, what had also been passed on to me, and here's, here's what it is. Christ died for our sins, just as the Scriptures said. Okay. So Christ, we're talking about the historical person, Jesus. Even people who aren't religious or Christians would verify and agree that there was a historical person named Jesus. And we can verify that he died. He died on a Roman cross. What does it mean? Well, that's a different subject. But we can verify that he was crucified, and he died, okay? Then he goes on in verse 4. He says this, he was buried, okay? That makes sense. He died, right? People die, they get buried. But this is the part that gets, it's a little different. And he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. So two things. Number one, he died. The scriptures said it would happen. We, we can go back and look at the Old Testament. You can look like one place, for example, is the book of Isaiah. You can look at Isaiah 53. Isaiah, eight to 900 years before Jesus, said that the Messiah would come and he would suffer and die just in the way that Jesus actually did. And the scriptures tell us that he would be raised from the dead on the third day. Okay? It's all throughout the Old Testament. If you want to look in one place, you can go and look at Psalm 22. It talks about it. Okay, So in other words, exactly what the Scripture said would happen did happen. Now how is that good news? How is that good news? Because there's a couple things here, real quick. Okay, um, First of all, people die every single day. I'm not trying to be crass or take it lightly. But it is not a big deal if Jesus is just another person in a long line of people who've died. 
Can we, can we agree to that? Okay. Second, people are buried every single day. Right? I'm not trying, again, I'm not trying to be crass or, or take it lightly, but it is a reality of human life. On the other hand, only one person has been resurrected to date. The idea of resurrection is you have been brought back to life never to die again. That's different than anything else. We could argue for resuscitation or people who had had died and then come back to life. We could talk about things like that, but resurrection is different. He died never he died and then he came back to life never to face death again. That's different. That's very different. Now, you don't have to just take my word for it because Paul gives evidence. Look at what he, what he says. He goes on in verse 5. He says, he was seen by Peter and then by the 12. A couple of things. When Jesus kind of started in, in Israel, he had 12 close followers. Peter was one of them. What's the big deal with naming Peter? Well, here's the big deal with naming Peter. Shortly before his death, Peter denied even knowing Jesus. And he ran away. You think Peter's got a dark phase that he didn't like to talk about? I sure do. Can you imagine that? Spending three years with somebody, coming to believe that they were the Messiah, knowing that they were actually sent by God, and then, nope, I don't even know him. It's pretty rough. And now Paul is saying, you don't believe that Jesus was resurrected? Go talk to Peter. Go talk to the twelve. Okay, that's fine. They, they, they were close to him. Let, let's talk about some other people. There's got to be more people, right? After, after that, verse 6, he goes on. He says, after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. What in the world is Paul saying? He's saying, if you're not sure, you can go talk to people who saw him. Even the Roman soldiers who were told to, to guard the tomb, they saw it happened and they were so shaken they didn't know what to do. And so the Jewish authorities and the Roman authorities threw a bunch of money at them and said, lie. Lie. Hmm. Why? Why so much? Why, why all of that? What, what, what's going on? Is it possible that maybe the real starting point when it comes to God and a relationship with God and faith is not D-O, it's not what you or I do, but it actually has something to do with D-O-N-E, what has been done. You see, here's what I'm convinced, the death and resurrection of Jesus is the starting point of Christianity. And I know, I, I grew up with it too, being told, be a good boy. Some of you ladies, you grew up being told, be a good girl. And God will watch over you and will answer your prayers. But I'm telling you, 
that leads to a balancing act that's impossible. If the standard is behavior, I'm in trouble. If it's something else, then maybe there's hope. Maybe there's actually good news. Because Paul goes on and he talks more about what this actually accomplished. And it didn't accomplish making you and me good. It's not about being good. It's about what has been done. So can I show you what's been done? A little bit later in chapter 15 and verse 14, here's what Paul says. He says, And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. He's saying, if if Jesus didn't raise, there's no reason for us to be here. There's literally no reason for us to do religious activities. There's no hope. Your faith is useless. Nothing can save you because all you're on is this great big giant balance beam. And and if you can't get it right, well, good luck, buddy. I'm sorry. But on the other hand, If Christ is raised, what does it mean? Well, here's here's what it means, verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless, and you are still, uh uh-oh, guilty of your sins. But if, on the other hand, Christ has been raised, then guess, guess what there is? Guess what there is for people like me who have a dark face that go, I don't want to talk about that. I don't even want to talk about, maybe you'd say, I don't even want to talk about last weekend. I don't want to talk about Friday night. Guess what it's saying? It's saying the resurrection has provided something for you. It's provided the forgiveness of your sins. It's not, it's not what you do. And I I get it. I get the idea and I get the attractiveness of the idea that good people go to heaven. I mean, it seems to make sense. It makes sense in my head. But the reality is that what the scriptures tell us is that forgiven people go to heaven. And frankly, that's much better news than me trying to balance beam my way in. So, over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about the starting point for faith. We're going to talk about some of the questions that get in the way. I mean, we're going to talk about rules and what are all these rules about because there seem to be so many rules and it seems like God is a cosmic fun hater and all of that, you know? Yeah, I just made that up, okay? (laughs) We're, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about our mistakes, if you can even call them that. But I want you to know that the starting point of all of it is actually an event. It's not something you do; it's something that's been done. And the starting point of all of it brings us to a simple question. In fact, I would say the starting point of faith is a question. Here's the question. Who is Jesus? 
and what has he done? Who is Jesus? Is he who he says he is? And what has he done? What has he done for you? What has he done for me? Is is it possible that it actually applies to you and it actually applies to me? That's the question, I think, that we're supposed to ask. So here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to consider just, just doing one thing to think about taking a step towards a starting point with faith. And it's very simple. All I'm going to ask you to do is to have a conversation. Have a conversation with, with your, your, your spouse. Have a conversation with your friend. Have a conversation with whomever you came with today. Have a conversation in your small group. Have a conversation at home. Have a conversation in the car on the way home about these two questions. Very simple. Number one, how and when did your faith journey begin? Did, did it begin a little bit like mine, kind of growing up in a pretty you know, closed-minded you know, tight-knit religious group where it was like, be a good little boy, or, or was yours different? How and when did it begin? What, did, what was the beginning of it for you? And second of all, how well has your faith held up under the rigors of life? How well has the idea that, that good people get in and, well, yeah, we don't really want to talk about the rest of it. How well has that held up? As you've become an adult. And as you talk about these things, as you have a conversation, whether it's with your spouse or with a friend or with whomever it is, I wonder, would you consider continuing on with us for the next couple of weeks just so that you can see what I think is really clear about the impact that faith can really have on your life, not just here now, but in the future as well. I think you'll find it's a worthwhile conversation. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for this clear instruction about Jesus in your word, that that Jesus came and actually did something. That It's not about what I do because, man, if it was, I'd be in big, big trouble. I've got too many things that I do not want to account for. I am thankful. I am thankful that because of Jesus, we do not have to still be in our sins. Thank you. Thank you for everybody here. And I pray, God, that you'd help us to wrestle with this conversation about an adult starting point of faith. pray in Jesus' name. Amen.